What's up? This is Jonathan, and in the Kabaijo launch video, I mentioned getting deported from Colombia. And a lot of people are like, what? Deported from Colombia? What, what, what do you have to do to get deported from Colombia? So I would like to tell you the story now. You can see I'm wearing my Colombian soccer jersey, and I've also got something that I started eating in Colombia, a coconut, and I'm just here enjoying my adaptogenic tea on my little patio in Barcelona. Actually, I'll show it. I'll show it off to you just a little bit. It's kind of loud. The, the neighborhood that I'm in, it's, I, I like the neighborhood, but it's, it's really kind of loud. So I may, I may end up just going inside for purposes of your uh, listening experience. Okay, so I ended up living in Colombia for about two and a half years, and then I did get deported, but it wasn't because I did anything really nefarious or illegal. It was just because, like many digital nomads like many people that travel to the third world i oh, i don't even want to call it the third world because it's really a nice country like like a lot of travelers that travel to developing countries i overstayed my tourist visa which was which was not uh that was not like my original plan but it actually worked out really well so I, uh, I came to Colombia actually kind of on a vacation originally because I was living in Panama City, Panama, and they do these boat trips through the San Blas Islands. So there are 300 and I'm going to say like 360 plus islands that are located in between Panama and Colombia, which is a little bit interesting because if you go on Google Maps and you look in between Panama and Colombia, all you see is blue ocean. So for some reason, these islands that are really awesome islands that I recommend anyone visit if they have the opportunity are omitted from Google. <clears throat> My throat's feeling a little bit funny, so I'm going to be drinking my tea while I do this video. So I arrived, we, we, we arrived via boat, which was a little bit of an adventuresome experience. At the port where we were supposed to depart Panama, the waves were way too intense. It was the... It was the, what was it? It was like the early springtime, which in the Caribbean is a little bit more intense weather, a little bit more intense swell. And we were not able to dock the boat at the pier. And we ended up, it was, it, we ended up trying to dock it for about an hour. And then the captain told us, okay, you guys need to go and swim for the beach 
And we were like, really? He was like, yeah, go and swim for the beach and I'm going to carry your passports in this waterproof case through the water. Don't worry, I've done this before. And we were like, okay, you know, we're taking a boat trip in between Panama and Colombia. We signed up for some adventures, so why not? And so we went and swam through the swell to the beach. It was a terrible beach. It was like a rocky beach with a bunch of broken glass and a dead bird on it. I shit you not. And it turned out that the waterproof box was not so waterproof. So our passports actually got soaked in this box. But it turns out that passports, you can just lay them out in the sun and they will dry in about an hour. So we were able to get our passport stamps and cross over to Colombia. You know what, for audio purposes, I am going to move inside, actually. I'll grab my coconut here and my tea. So then we took another boat trip to Capagana, Colombia, and we also had a little bit of a, a little bit of a disaster there. We stayed at this hostel, like the one hostel in town, because this is like a, a pretty small port, port village, right? We stayed at the one hostel in town, and there was a single employee at this hostel, and the employee tells us, she's like, okay guys, I'm gonna go camping tonight and you are going to stay at the hostel alone and you're just going to give your friend money to pay for the hostel when you when you check out and we're like okay that's that's a little weird but why why not let's do it so we stayed at this hostel and then a there's a big ugly fat gray pig that was right next to the hostel and this pig was trying to break into the hostel. The entire time we were there, I guess it was hunger or something like that. And so we were drinking and we threw some rocks at the pig and it, was, it kind of became a little game actually. And while we were distracted with this pig, these thieves broke in the other side of the hostel and they stole some stuff they stole some stuff out of our out of our room so the the pig was kind of an accomplice to us getting robbed our first night in colombia and then okay let me try to accelerate this story a little bit so i'm going to try to share the the good parts the interesting parts of these two years that i spent in this pretty lovely country so then I ended up going to Cartagena, Colombia, and I stayed there for like a couple of weeks and everyone there kept telling me, oh, go to Medellin. Medellin is just, uh, it's, just a, it's just a paradise. It's, uh, it, it's, everyone kept telling me, beautiful women, beautiful women, beautiful women. That's, that's what I kept hearing over and over about Colombia, which uh, which worked, it motivated me. So I headed to Medellin, Colombia, and let's see, what did I mention in the 
in the blog comment. Yes, there was a relationship with a politician's daughter there. There was a girl that I met at a language exchange, which is, uh, for those of you that are like looking for like actionable tips on improving your dating life, which is, which is some of you, check out language exchanges. Language exchanges are, 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 uh, are gold mine. <laughs> Uh, so there was a 21-year-old politician's daughter that I met at a language exchange. And how did this work? It was my birthday, actually. I don't think she would have gone out with me. But I was like, hey, it's my birthday. And I really want to try this, uh, this, like, this like swanky, organic health food type restaurant. And... So, uh, we, so she accepted and then she met me and amazingly she was only like 15 minutes late for our, for our date. Let me see if I can put that here. And we went to this restaurant. We had a really, we had a really great time. And then let's see, what was the little romantic thing that happened on our first date? Then we went and walked uh, across a bridge and I stopped and kissed her on the bridge. It was kind of like one of those things. I'll give you a point. I'll give you a, a, a tip on uh, physical escalation. Anytime you're in a moment when you feel like you could kiss, this has been, okay. This has been my motto in life is that anytime that I've been alone with a girl that I felt that I thought was attractive and I felt like there was a chance that I could kiss her, I would just go for it. I would just go for it. Even if it was, even if it was uh, kind of uncalibrated, even if it was inappropriate timing, even if our, our heads were not quite in the right position, our bodies were not in quite the right position, even if the, as soon as a, a lull in conversation presented itself, I would just try to go in for her lips. And this has certainly resulted in a lot of awkward, a lot of awkward situations getting the cheek, but on, on a, on a couple of it's, it's paid off. It's paid off enough times that I'm going to continue to do it. And I hope you do the same. So I kissed her on the bridge and then we went to a party in there was like this hostel that was kind of like a cool hostel that was really tall that had all these floors and we ended up almost killing a girl there that's right uh so we went to a uh so we went to this hostel and i got us some beers and then i was like hey let's go up to the rooftop of the hostel because there's like this big crazy party happening downstairs and there was uh, this really shitty reggae band playing like if you want to if you want to if you want to familiarize yourself with just really crappy reggae music spend some time in central and south america and you will you will get all you can handle to this day i i hate reggae music as a result so we ascended the flights of stairs and we found that the rooftop was pretty empty actually and there was a little bit of light music wafting up it was it was it was it was pretty perfect there's a little bit of a view 
of the city. And so we were, uh, I think we were kissing, and I put our beers on like the barrister on the railing, which was just not smart. And then uh, for some, it was, it was not stable either. And so our beers fell off the barrister and I heard them roll down the side of the building. And then there was about a four second gap. And then I heard a beer hit the ground and uh and break and i heard a we heard a woman scream we heard like a blood curdling scream and we were like oh shit however we 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 think that we don't think that we actually killed or hurt anyone because if you know if a beer hit someone from five stories up then uh it would have either knocked them completely unconscious and that there there wouldn't have been a scream or there would have been like a there would have been an ambulance there would have there would have been some signs of it which which we actually we actually left shortly thereafter and there was nothing so uh yes so we did almost kill a girl but if if you are gonna if you are gonna kill a girl in Colombia, who who better to do that with than a politician's daughter right you know they would I'm sure they'd be able to like pull some strings, get you out of that. You know, just being a gringo traveling alone that could be really bad. That could be really bad, right? But if your if your partner in crime is a 21 year old politician's daughter, then I feel like that's going to work out better. So there was that relationship, which was kind of how you would expect a relationship with a 21 year old to go, and. Uh, what ended up happening was I had a 90-day tourist visa and you can extend your 90-day visa to a 180-day visa. It's pretty easy. You just go down to a little immigration office and then you pay an extra f you pay an extra fee. Uh, and it, it was, it was, it was not, it was not that much. And this is what happened was I was just like, I was really enjoying the country. I was doing some partying. I was doing a lot of socializing. I was, yeah, I was, I was being, being a hedonist and I had, I had not quite kept track of my calendar really accurately and I overstayed I overstayed the amount of time I was supposed to, uh, I overstayed that 90 days and I was like, oh shoot, I'm in trouble. So I went down there right away and they were like, you know what? You're, you're overstayed by like two days. We can't, we can't help you. This is this kind of office. This is just like the worst, the worst type of bureaucracy. This is this just imagine like an office where just like no one cares about their job or you're just, you're just a number to them. And so I was like, shoot. And so they were like, come back in a couple of days and you got to like go to this other office and your fee is going to be more and it's going to be a pain and it's going to be a pain in the ass <laughs> basically is what it sounded like. So I was like, you know what? I, I think I could probably put this off 
a little bit more. I'm really, I'm really enjoying this country. And so I put it off and then I put it off a little bit more and then I put it off a little bit more. And then uh, what happened was I ended, okay, so I ended up uh, renting a apartment there. I ended up finding one of the very best co-working spaces of my life where I was really productive. I ended up finding this really great English teacher. I ended up uh, being a co-host of an event that turned out to be like a really popular event. So it was just, it, it was a place where I ended up like building a pretty good little life for myself relatively quickly where I was like really connected and it it really Colombia is if you look at uh, ratings of countries that are the most friendly to foreigners that are the most receptive to outsiders Colombia is one of the very top ranked countries and it really is a place where it's pretty easy to make friends and to meet people I also feel like I was kind of there I arrived there at a time where there was not that many foreign, I think I was there kind of during like the sweet spot because there's this dynamic with developing countries where when a bunch of foreigners come to a country, when a country is totally inundated by foreigners, like say Thailand, the locals just get totally accustomed to the foreigners and there's no novelty in meeting a foreigner and uh, they actually get kind of annoyed with foreigners. So this is what you're going to experience if you visit a place like Thailand, Philippines, certainly a place here like Barcelona where there's just there's just no novelty in being a in being a foreigner. And I feel like I was there in Colombia at the time where the quality of life was really good. The quality of infrastructure was really good. The uh, educational level of the people there is really good. It's, it really is a fairly well-developed city. There's other parts of the country that are pretty bad, that, that really are like third world. But that city is comparable to probably any, any, American, any American city. With, with with a couple which with a couple things you're trading off uh, however there was just there was just not a lot of uh, foreigners there at that point so you have the factor of like the people being like really charmed by you being like really interested in meeting a foreigner and then also having like really high quality of life and those two things together I was like why I'm just gonna not worry about my overstayed visa. So I essentially kind of became like an, an illegal immigrant in Colombia. However, I was a big difference between me and the illegal immigrants you hear people complain about so frequently was that I was building a business and that I was completely self, I was completely self-sufficient while I was there. I, let's see, I did actually have a couple of clients there in Colombia, but primarily my, my main source of income was just, uh, was PayPal, was uh, PayPal transfers from my web development clients in the United States and from my little uh, passive income stream uh, from the uh, smart drugs that I was selling off of my website and 
YouTube channel, which may, which uh, I have many of you to thank for. And over, so this was it. This was kind of an issue. Let me try to give a. Uh, all right, let's. Let, I'll talk about a couple of other adventures. I had while I was there. Okay, one of the craziest nights I had there was a night that I went to what they call a fink, a finca party. A finca means a farm. <laughs> and so they have these farms in these, they have kind of these estates in the Andes Mountains surrounding the city. And people go there and they just, they just party like like crazy and i and so you go up to these you go up to these estates that have actually kind of these pretty cool views of like the mountains and overlooking the city and then it's just like a non-stop reggaeton party all night long and so we did that and there was a swimming pool there so there's a little bit of little bit of skinny dipping action going on a little bit of an adult swim and i remember these guys <clears throat> had just this ridiculous sound system they had just this they had like a nightclub speaker that they brought to to party with like 20 people in the mountains which was totally which was totally unnecessary it was just it was just mind-blaringly loud and so everyone got really drunk and then we all passed out i i didn't like hook up with anyone actually i don't i don't, th I don't think anyone really hooked up with anyone that that not, well who knows might have not been but it, it might have been a thing where everyone just got really drunk and got really stupid and nothing magical happened well to me at least who knows uh so everyone ended up passing out and then these asshole colombian guys took this giant speaker and they put it inside of the house and i literally thought this house was just gonna fall down because this speaker was so loud and it was just it was just shaking this house with noise so that was let's see that was kind of a crazy night i talked about my experience doing ayahuasca there i also a really crazy night was also the night that i went to a swingers club there i didn't know this but it turned out that there was actually a swingers club there in colombia and I've always joked with my friends that it would be really awesome to do a no phone party, a party where nobody can bring their phone to to the party. And, you know, people would have to like interact with each other because they won't have their phones to distract them. And so the swingers party was a no phone, no clothes party. What happened was you arrive and they're like, OK, here's a towel and a locker all your clothes and your phone goes in the locker so that people can do whatever they want at the swingers party without any, without having to worry about evidencia. So that was, that was a pretty crazy night as well. Okay, let me try to, this video is getting a little bit long, kind of rambling. Mm, let me try to come up with some personal development uh, some personal development takeaways from overstaying my visa and actually getting deported. 
it, it really ended up being the right thing to do actually, which sounds a little bit crazy, but I had all these friends, I, I made all these friends there and I ended up, I ended up really kind of uh, getting involved with the entrepreneurship community there in Medellin because it, it really is kind of a tech, a tech hotspot. I'm gonna actually start to drink my coconut while I make this video. There's a lot of tech entrepreneurs there. There's, there's a lot of people doing interesting things there. It really is, really is a cool city. And I met all these other entrepreneurs that had gone to all this trouble to extend their visas. The, the, the process for getting a business, a business owner visa, it is a pretty progressive country, so you can get a business owner visa, but definitely not after you've overstayed a tourist visa. And so I talked with these people about all these different all these different hoops they had to jump through to get their their visa extended. And I knew different people that also did things with getting student visas and there and so you had to like you had to spend all this time going to college if you were gonna get a student visa. And then there was this other deal where like there's kind of like this this scam. They're like these scammy companies that were like these fake universities where you would, uh, how did this work? Okay, you had to travel to Bogota. You had to, for some reason, like you couldn't do this locally in Colombia, in Medellin. You had to travel to Bogota and then you had to fill out like all this paperwork and pay them all this money. And then you got a student visa to go to like a fake university. So you could basically just stay there and you paid for this university that you weren't actually being educated by. And, and then, and I had a couple of friends who did this and at least like one of them, it didn't work. They just took his money and then he never got, he never got any visa. So kind of, kind of ridiculous. So I, my, my approach was different. My approach was like, I'm just going to procrastinate on this issue. <laughs> And so, uh, so yes, yeah, so that's what I did. And it, this was during the time that I started. Now you would think this would be the kind of thing that you would like really, that someone would really worry about, right? That you'd get like really stressed out about this. You'd be like, what's, what's gonna happen? Um, <clears throat> antioxidizing and delicious. So, this this was kind of during the time that I was I got into meditation and I was doing dual and back brain training really hardcore which really does like those two things you really get oh, so much better at compartmentalizing the shit that you worry about and so I, I I was really able to just not not worry about this issue for about for about two years and then my brother announced that he was getting married and I was this time there were there were certain things in Colombia that I was kind of getting sick of there it's it's a lovely country but it is it is it is retarded in its own special way 
like like a lot of countries. And there there yeah, there were some things I was getting sick of. I was having some desire for uh, for for novelty, for new experiences. My I felt like my span I felt like my business was kind of like plateauing a little bit. And I yeah, I needed I needed a new environment as a muse. So my brother announced that he was getting married and I was like, okay, that's a really worthwhile thing to go home for. So I set, so this is what I did was I, before I went to, now some people might say, just go to the airport and just try to leave and just be like, hey, I'm sorry. I just want to leave. I just want to leave the country. And I, I did a lot of Googling of this. This isn't a thing where I just kind of like flew by the seat of my pants. I did a lot of Googling about this. And I actually contacted one immigration attorney. And the immigration attorney was useless. He was, he just gave me like really generic advice of like, you should just go to the court. And he, or, yeah, he gave me the worst advice. He said, you should go to a, the court and ask the judge for forgiveness and say that you're sorry and just hope for the best basically he, he gave me really crappy advice so what i did was i did a lot of googling of this read a couple of different stories and they said that you shouldn't just go to the airport and try to leave the country they said that, that was something where you could actually end up getting detained and thrown in jail and really that was like the worst case scenario for me it was i was like i just really don't want to go to jail <laughs> that sounds so t going to jail in, in colombia it, it's it's uh just like an episode of locked up abroad right this is something i really want to avoid so i decided the best thing to do would be to go to the immigration office and uh, to explore my options there. And so what I did first though, was I bought a ticket to leave the country. Because I figured if I had a ticket where I was showing them, hey, I'm sorry that I've disrespected your laws, but I have my means to leave and I'm gonna be, I'm not gonna be a problem because you can see I have my ticket here, then that would improve my chances of not having any any real issues. And so that's what I did. And then I so there was my date that I had set to leave. And as I got closer and closer and closer to that date, I I did actually start to get nervous. There was like a week there where I was like I was uh un gringo muy nervioso. And then I went there to the office and it really turned out to be no big deal. They were like, I was like, I was, I was like, they were like, okay, how much have you overstayed your visa by? And I was like, two years. And they were like, oh, okay. Um, you need to do an, a, a little meeting with an immigration attorney. So just come back on Tuesday. We'll get it all sorted out. <laughs> so I kind of have a feeling that this is sort of thing they dealt with quite frequently. So I came back, uh, yeah, I came back on the Tuesday and I was, I was quite nervous at the time and I had really thoroughly kind of practiced what I was going to say in Spanish. I speak Spanish fluently, but nonetheless, I, I kind of practiced my little, my little story that I was going to tell them. And so I was 
this is what I was hoping for. I was hoping that there was going to I was hoping it was going to be a woman attorney that I could kind of flirt with, not like flirt with, not try to seduce, but who I could just kind of be like a friendly a friendly guy to cuz I was like if if there's a man, if there's a man, it's going to be it's going to be like like he might throw the book at me, right? So, it ended up being a woman, thankfully, and but she ended up not and ended up being like your stereotypical little like knockout drop dead gorgeous Colombian woman. But it turned out that she she was she was a little bit she was a little bit cold. I, I didn't end up like being able to entertain her at all with the little with the little jokes and uh, charming charming little mannerisms and expressions I tried to I tried to use. So I admitted my story and um and she was like, okay, she was, she was like pretty unimpressed by the story. Again, it was just really kind of like apathetic, like, like, oh, we deal with this all the time. And she was like, there's going to be a fine of about, it was going to come out to about $350, $400. She was like, there's going to be a, a fine or we can deport you. And if you, if you pay the fine, then you can come back within another 180 days if you really want. You can pay the fine and you can come back in 180 days or we can deport you and you're restricted from coming to the country for a year. And to me, that was just, that was a really clear choice was to just be deported because I do intend to return to Colombia, but I was like, it's going to be at least a year. I, I want to go home. I want to meet my new family members. I want to travel in Europe. It's going to be at least a year. So I was like, what does, what, what does being deported imply? What is, what does that involve? And she was like, well, you just go to, you have to, you have to sign a little, you have to sign a, a couple of forms. There's a little bit of paperwork and then you just show your paperwork and you leave the airport at the normal time and you can't come back. And I was like, that, that sounds great. <laughs> um, and there was... Colombia is not in like a, uh, it's not in a, uh, it's not, not in like a, a border agreement. It's, there's not like a South American like Schengen zone. So, uh, and there's not like a, there's not like a criminal record of any type. So I was like that, that sounds like a really great option over, over paying $350. If there was going to be, if there was going to be like criminal repercussions, if there was going to be, if there was going to be anything that was going to affect me in the future, then I would have just paid the $350. But it was just, it was being deported seemed like such a better option. And in my Google searching of this, I had actually talked with a couple of other people that had actually been deported and then came back to the country. And it just wasn't that big of an issue. This, again, this is a country that it's not like expending resources as a country to support <laughs> illegal immigration. So they're the, the repercut, it, it, it just, it doesn't matter that much. So that's what I elected. And then I just left the, then I just left the country. And 
as far as I could tell, by any rigorous philosophical approach, it 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 wasn't unethical. Nothing I did was was unethical. All I had done was broken uh, a pretty silly law of this country, and then I had contributed uh, contributed significantly to the economy of this country over the course of two years. So I I, I really do in this case feel like procrastination was the the right thing to do. Anyways, I feel like I'm kind of rambling in this video. I can't say that I recommend this to, that I recommend this approach to anyone because who knows if the laws are going to change on this. I did get the impression that this is something that a lot of people do there. I certainly met quite a few other people that had done this and it may very well be that the government at some point in the future decides that they can decides that they can make a little bit more of a cash cow out of these out of tourists and that they say nope there's no deportation option you either have to pay the moolah the fee or you have to go to jail here or go to court and uh or or worse or it could get worse it could be that they have you know someone who's a little bit more corrupt that takes over the immigration office that's like hey we can really turn this into a money-making operation because so many people are are doing it so i can't honestly recommend this to anybody but from a personal development standpoint from my own personal journey it, it really was the right thing to do this really was kind of like the country that i i felt like i i i finally grew up in there was there was uh, when i was living in denver over the years there was there was just different plateaus that i felt like i really had hit uh that there was there was glass ceilings of personal development that i felt like i wasn't getting through when i lived in denver colorado and in Colombia, there was some there's some really transformative experiences. It really did living in a completely new country that has like this 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 real strong culture that you really do have to adapt yourself. To learning their culture, that was something that really did like the spark neuroplasticity for me and uh, force me to become a, a more tenacious inventive person and so I so so I guess my my recommendation that comes out of this is that if you really are working on some significant personal development thing uh, or some significant entrepreneurship uh, project that you that that you really are certain that it's going to pay off and that you've burned your boats that you're all in on it i would say that embrace procrastinating on smaller problems and embrace small bad things happening because yeah this was this is kind of a big example of this where i made i made a bet i i kind of made a gamble that just focusing on the personal development, on learning mindfulness, on teaching myself discipline. This was the country where I first started doing these real extended periods of no fab, of no booze, where I really started to teach myself discipline. These were, this was the country where I really got serious about, about mastering a craft 
and it really did pay off. And if I had, uh, if I had equally, actually, who knows? Maybe, maybe if I had dealt with a problem at that time, then I would have moved on to a different country. Then, then maybe I would have, I would have moved all around South America and had had different experiences, had valuable experiences. But in this case, procrastination in combination with working on something really significant really did pay off. So that, that'll be kind of like the nuanced counterintuitive piece of advice that I'll offer you in, in this video. Anyways, thanks again for supporting Kabaijo. It really is a, it really is kind of like my own, like, like Reardon steel. It, it really is kind of like my own labor of love. The 30 odd people that have tried it up to this point are telling me really great things about it. And I, it's, it, it, it's the best smart drug that I've used. And I, I'm really excited about it. You having it in your hands. And uh, so I, I really do appreciate your patience and I think it's gonna pay off. Anyways, as always look forward to a continued conversation with you.